and you can be honest about that, right? You can be completely honest about that. But um, what I do want to encourage you is that um, there are benefits to pastoring. And the benefits to pastoring far outweigh, at least in our experience, the, the negatives. And so just some of those benefits before we get into lessons learned. Um, we have seen God's promises and faithfulness over the last 16 years in our community. I can remember the first time I told my wife we were going to plant a church. She thought I was nuts, I'm pretty sure. And then we were going to plant it with this team of guys. And it was like, I don't know. And we'd go to these little meetings and we'd meet in a, in a room uh, at some other friend's house that we planted the church together with. And, and uh, it just, it wasn't good. I don't know how else to explain it. <laughs> there wasn't, wasn't a whole lot of um, prayer. It was more like, here's a good idea. Let's talk about that. And here's a good idea. And, um, but then we saw God really put it on our hearts. No, this is, this is from the Lord. This is what we're supposed to do. And just from each little moment of the last 16 years of planning the church, um, strengthening that church, and going, it's just been, it's more than I could ever imagine. This wasn't how our church, the bridge, and you guys ended up. It's so much better than what we had in our little heads. Um, it, it's amazing to see what God has done in his promises in, in the 16 years. Um, I had never attended a church that had more than 65 people. In our first Sunday, we had more than 65 people. And so it already beat all my expectations <laughs> on week one. But just to see the promises and faithful of, faithfulness of God has been, um, we can really look back over 16 years and say, God is real. Like, we know he's real. We've seen him work in the lives of people. You want to share a benefit? Yeah. Um, I was just thinking, like, while we were worshiping, a little bit off tangent, but just how great of a privilege it is that we get to do this. Like, it's so mind-blowing that God saved us in the first place. Like us, like sinners who mess up still, and yet he did that. And that's a mind-blowing enough thing, but then how amazing of a privilege it is to be able to share our love and do it like as our entire life. Like it does affect your entire life. You can't separate ministry from your life because it's so intertwined. But what a privilege that we get to live this life. And then we get to meet, like look around at all of our friends represented in this room and the stories that we all know about each other and how faithful God is through all of us. Another benefit she talked about there, touched on, is just friendships. We've made friends for forever in our little community that we've partnered with side by side. Uh, some of those friends are in this room. Derek and I, who's our youth pastor, and Becky, we graduated high school together. I'm pretty sure I went to a high school party that Derek ended up naked in a boat at one point. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> uh. Uh. Don't post that online. Um, yeah. <laughs> But, but anyways, it might have been David, I don't know. But anyways, there was a whole, there's a whole group of us that we've made these deep friendships. And through, through ministry in your local church, you do make these deep friendships. But also um, what she touched on, even globally and through partnership like this, you get you got all these new friendships. Like there's, there are people in my church that I would not have ever been friends with if it wasn't for Jesus. Um, I've met so many people, even in this room, that we our, our paths would never have crossed if we weren't pastoring. And um, these friendships are developed. So you got to remember that. you got to hold on to these moments. Like there's some really cool people in your life 
that you would never have rubbed shoulders with if it wasn't for pastoring and Jesus. Um, our, my family, and she's going to hit something here. Uh, I do want to say this. Sometimes it's hard. We got four girls raising them as pastors, daughters or whatever in the church. But on the flip of that, my kids are being raised in a healthy church. They are going through bridge kids that we know what they're learning. They're in youth group, and we know what Derek's teaching. <laughs> and it's like there are really good benefits to this as well. I, I control what they're learning. <laughs> so I was going to say, too, that, like, we have four girls, and three of them have accepted Christ in our church. And um, Vince got to baptize them. And, you know, their lives are forever changed. And, like, that's worth the cost alone <laughs> with a whole lot more packed in. But we'll, we'll give one more story before we just uh, jump into some lessons learned. But there's a guy in our church, and you guys have all been through this. He's not in our church anymore. His name is Andy Sherrill. You guys know him and have worked with him, too. Um, but Andy came to um, an understanding of the gospel in our church when we planted. And he was like the volunteer of the year in the first couple of years of the church. He was the guy who did everything when we were setting up and tearing down. And um, I can remember, you want to tell the story about the first time? Yeah. Yeah, one time we were in group and Andy's like, guys, I think I finally figured out what this word saved means. And he said, I, he was a teacher and he said, I have these kids that They'll, like, go somewhere over the weekend or to go to camp or something, and they'll come in my room, and they're so excited, and they're like, Mr. Cheryl, Mr. Cheryl, I have to tell you, I got saved. And Andy says, and I'm like, great. What's that mean? <laughs> and we had this whole long conversation in our group that day about what that actually means. And Andy had, like, kind of been around church his whole life, but he had no concept of what that what salvation meant. And... Um, it's come like kind of full circle for us because that was about 16 years ago. And Andy has gone on to start like a Christian high school in our town. And he's now our daughter's principal who's 16. And he's totally investing back into her life. And um, it's just amazing to see how God brings all of those things back around to you. But it was really sad when he had to leave our church to pursue that calling. And so you guys have all been there, right? But to see it come full circle where you have a friend come to faith, like under your sort of tenure, and then have to leave to go follow uh, a call on their life. But now to see him back investing in our, in our kids is, is really cool. You get to see community impact um, that you didn't even know how you were going to impact your community. But God does it in mysterious ways. And so I would encourage you with that. Now, just five quick lessons that we've learned um, over the last 16 years. So we're in year 16 as a church plant. Um, and really what I want to talk about is just five quick areas, and then we're going to pray into these. We're just setting up your heart for prayer, all right, and to be ministered to. Uh, you gotta, we want to talk about these five areas, pursuing a healthy soul, pursuing a healthy family, pursuing a healthy team, pursuing a healthy um, love for your area is number four. And then five is going to be pursuing um, a healthy view of what your calling actually is, all right? And if you can pursue these five areas in healthy ways, I think whether you're a lead pastor couple or the hospitality team director, um, this will really help you in life. And so the first one is uh, the number one lesson that I've learned in 16 years of the ups and downs of ins and outs of our ministry is that you have to pursue a healthy soul. If you're, um, and I know it's simple, but you guys, pastors, pastor's wives are the best at faking it. All right. 
you know the right answers. <laughs> you know how to make it look good, right? You have to pursue a healthy soul. Um, and so if your, in, if your output exceeds your input, then your upkeep will be your downfall. If what you're putting out in ministry exceeds what you're receiving from the Lord, you trying to just carry your own weight is going to be what causes you to fall. And we've walked in ministry alongside people long enough to see people fall and to fall ourselves and be restored. So, yeah, John 15, 4, sorry. Um, I've left my Bible, but it talks about um, abiding. <laughs> Go grab it. Abiding in Jesus. There we go. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. It goes on to say that you will receive joy as well if you abide in Jesus. In a ministry, what do you want? Fruit <laughs> and joy, man. Don't you want joy? And the only way to get there is through pursuing a healthy soul, a healthy soul abiding in Jesus. What does that look like in, in your life? Um, I can tell when my soul isn't healthy now. It took me a long time to really figure it out. Other people could see it before I could see it. <laughs> um, but now through, through years of understanding yourself better, you know, you can see whether you're really abiding and resting in Jesus. So for me, if I'm not really abiding and resting in Jesus, people fighting really gets to me. <laughs> it gets to me anyways, but I mean, it really gets to me when I can't fix all their fights, you know. Um, numbers really matter too much to me when my soul's not healthy, right? I, I feel like I need to be needed when my soul's not healthy. Um, and so, like, how, what, when things are going wrong with my soul, the, that's how it kind of comes out in me. Yeah, I would say, too, just as the pastor's wife, <laughs> that um, I think a lot of... Um, just leaders in the church are really gifted at doing things and um, getting stuff done and doing it really well. And um, I just, I know that's not our heart that we want to do great things, but that's really our heart sometimes. Like this, it's like drilled into us, like this American dream of greatness. And I just, God does, God calls us to excellence in a lot of things. We should represent Him well. Um, but the American dream, I think we got to lay that greatness down and trade it for something that's so much better. And it's a lot quieter and it's a lot harder. But, um, you know, it's kind of like a plant that never gets watered or a sunlight. It's not going to thrive. And you can, con you can continue to power through. A lot of people can do that for a really long time. And one day it's just like, lights out like you see it happen all the time so I think my encouragement like that I really want us to pray into really to kind of set the tone for the rest of our time together is just in this area of soul really pausing praying listening to God and giving yourself that space for him to answer that question you know is my soul healthy where am I at with that and I really like for my needs, like, I just kind of, like, I'm, like, happy if everybody else is happy. And that's been the way I've lived things, like, my whole life. And it's worked. And a couple of years ago, somebody was, like, what do you like to do for fun? And I was, I mean, I'm literally sitting there for, like, 
couple days just thinking that thought through. I'm not kidding. I was asking Ben, like, what do I like to do? He's like, I don't know. You tell me. I'm like, I don't know. I really had never thought of it. And um, so this person was like, whatever it is that makes you feel joy, that makes you come alive, do more of that. That's your only assignment. I'm like, oh, okay. So, like, just having the space to to recharge, it's anything outside for me and um, gardening and things like that. And it's, like, totally flourished into this whole love I have. But um, just finding those things that recharge you as well and just being in, giving yourself the space to be in connection with how you're actually feeling internally. Yeah, so do things that feed your soul. You want to invite in Jesus. Um, eliminate things that are robbing joy from your soul, like ruthlessly eliminate those things. Even if it's people that you're supposed to pastor, you can still pastor them and eliminate them from robbing joy from your soul. All right. <laughs> that sounds tough to say, but we'll talk more if you have questions. Um, two, <laughs> two um, pursue a healthy family. It's tragic if your ministry succeeds, yet your family fails, right? And so I think a lot of times when we talk about this, we talk about marriage. And this is number one in the UNO for us, right? Um, but also our kids. Like, we, we think about it not just as our marriage and how we are doing, but how are our children doing, how are our teenagers doing. And it would be really tragic if, uh, you know, I can preach a great sermon and grow a church, but my kids hate me, right? <laughs> uh, and my wife hates me. <laughs> um, but so what we view, um, we're not looking for a perfect marriage, even though we got a good marriage, or perfect kids. Um, but we are leaning in to our marriage and our kids. Um, how is God discipling us in these moments? When she gets on my nerves, because she doesn't do anything fun, she does now. <laughs> how are you discipling me, Jesus? You know what I mean? And then when our kids blow it, instead of acting, wanting them to be perfect and all those things, like, God, how are you training, training, just even discipling me in these moments, and how can I disciple them? Um, because, you know, our kids do have some unhealthy expectations on them placed by the church, even if the church doesn't know they're doing that. Um, it's true. It's there. And so we start looking at that. But another thing that I wanted to share before she shares is uh, as we think about pursuing a healthy family, is we put it in front of our kids, that verse in Joshua 24, um, which is when it's the question is, are you going to serve these other gods or are you going to serve the living God? No, choosing today whom you're going to serve. And as for me and our house, we will serve the Lord. And so um, we, I don't know if there's actually balance in ministry. People talk about it. I just don't know if it's true. Um, I've tried. <laughs> um, and so we talk to our kids. We missed five games this week uh, that our kids are playing. Like sometimes, or as a family, we're not going to serve the little gods of everything else. We're going to serve the Lord. And so mommy and daddy are going to be gone sometimes. Um, but we're going to be at everything we can be at, right? Um, but as a family, we're going to teach you and train you that Jesus is more important than that. We're going to use sports, <laughs> use it for other things, for fun, for joy, education. I've got one kid that might get an education out of it, you know, things like that. But we're not going to worship it, right? And we're going to make church a priority, too. And so there's ways that we live that out. But you want to talk about pursuing a healthy family? Yeah, uh, just two thoughts. Um, one, just really having a good boundary for you that, like, you're going to stop people who put a pastor's kid stereotype on your kids. 
I don't fight for much, but I'll fight for that. Because God's bigger than me raising my kid and ruining them or any of those things. And I'm going to trust him over some stereotype, which, by the way, isn't really that accurate anyways. Um, so the, like, millennials say, um, like, 9% of them, that's the nationwide prodigal rate is 9% of kids who were raised in the church, 9%. This is Barna Research. But of pastor's kids, it's like, or, uh, sorry, it's 7% for non-pastor's kids, 9% for pastor's kids. So it's like slightly higher. But um, just that's one hard stance that I've chosen to take um, that if I'm around and somebody's saying that, it ain't going to happen. <laughs> I'll do it with kindness and the love of the Lord. Um, and then Ben also touched on this thing of balance and it's like I love me some balance I love structure and order and everything planned out and nice and tidy and all of these things like I can create some systems and be real not fun but like I I keep getting in these places where it's like do you say yes to God and have some things you got to sort out as far as balance goes or do you just say no to God because you can control that better and this has been a couple years of process of God being like, are you going to keep saying no to me and tell me what I can't do? And I just, like three years ago, was like, okay, God, I'll stop saying no to you. Such as things like this that completely terrify me because to God be the glory, like somehow he'll use something, you know. And um, so the word I try to lean into a whole lot more than balance is dependence. And I think that's why God keeps my life a little bit left or right of balance. It's never to that equilibrium because it forces me to depend on him and learn a whole lot more about him. We got to keep rolling. So, but pursue a healthy family, your marriage, but also your kids are honestly with elder teams and with ministry teams that we've been a part of marriage and, and kids has been a, a huge impact on whether they succeed or don't succeed. Um, but three would be that team. And so pursue a healthy team. And here, we're going to talk about this more in a moment, so hold on to it. But ministry alone is depressing. Been there, done that, all right? Ministry in an adversarial environment is very depleting. You can last there for a little bit, but you're going to feel depleted all the time. But if you can actually do ministry alongside building a life-giving team, you know, you get life from it, and you're better for it. And so as, as you pastor... Um, whether it's the large church and you pastor that elder team or you're leading a different ministry team in your church, that team is going to be what makes or breaks you, all right, in a lot of ways. Um, it's, it's depressing if you minister alone. Don't try to do it in your own. When we started the church, um, I was Jose Oquendo is what they called me, all right? So Jose Oquendo was this guy who played for the Cardinals in the 80s. He pitched, he played third, he played short, he played outfield, he played every position. When we planted the church, I preached every other week played music, what's us doing every other week, led small groups, and led the youth ministry. <laughs> so it was Jose Oquendo. Um, but doing ministry alone really stunk, all right? And it was depressing. So we started building teams and getting out of stuff. Um, but it, I've been in an adversarial environment too, and it's very depleting. First Peter 4, 8 talks about learning how to leverage gifts of people in your church. Keep loving one another earnestly. As a team, you're going to have to do that. Your posture needs to be not to... What's wrong with that person? Lean into love. Love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each has received a gift. Use it, right? 
start leveraging your teams. Hold on to that. We're going to come back to that. You want to talk about teams at all? We'll come back in a minute. You want to get it? Get it. So briefly, two things. Um, always being authentic, but doing so with godly wisdom. Um, we should be humble. We should be approachable. We should be real and authentic. But, you know, also knowing that, like, we are representing Christ in all that we do. And um, everybody doesn't have to know everything. <laughs> That's not really, like, healthy authenticity. But also, um, there are times we just got to be quiet and let the Lord work some stuff out. And having, you know, depending on the Lord to tell us when to speak and when not. Um, Exodus 14, 4, you know, says the Lord will fight for you and you have only to be silent. And in our 16 years, there's been some moments that like, we've just been like, I'll just shut up and see how that shakes out. And it's always amazing to see how God like puts the things together. You're like, wow, that's way better than what I was trying to force. So sometimes you just need to be silent too. Amen. So pursue a healthy team. And then also a healthy love for your area. Here's, here's what I mean. You can love your area too much or too little. And both are problems, all right? Uh, we, we're in a small town environment, so it's very common for people to talk bad about that area. I don't know if you guys in Houston probably talk great about Houston, right? But it's very, <laughs> it's very, it's very common in a small town environment for people to be um, cynical. Like cynicism is champion, I don't know. Um, and uh, what, talk more about what we don't have and what's wrong and all those things. I mean, if we just got out of here. And so um, that's a huge problem. If people talk like that on our team, I just really try to, they don't do it. But if they do, I would have a big problem with it. <laughs> um, but here's the deal. You ha if you have a love for your area that's too little, um, you're really having a low view of God's grace and what God's grace is doing in an environment, even through the brokenness impoverished communities and we're an impoverished community um, but you have a low view of God's grace Acts chapter 17 says that God has determined the allotted times and boundaries that you may live so that people will find him right and in his grace he puts you in whatever area you're in <laughs> for you to um, to minister to but if you have um, a cynical view of your area that God has it's a low view of, of God's sovereignty but also his grace what he's doing in that community but if you have an overlove for that community, all right, so too much love for that area, what you're not going to do is actually missionally engage that area. You're not going to be able to see the idolatry of that area. And so in Athens, in that same passage where Paul goes to the Areopagus in Acts chapter 17, I think it is, and he's talking, when he first gets out there, he looks around and he sees the idols of that community, right? And so as a pastor and as a missionary, you, you can't have um, too little of a love for the area that God has put you in. You're not going to minister to those people, first off. You're not going to be a good local. But if you have an overlove, you're just not going to see the idols of that community. You're going to become idolatrous yourself <laughs> and not live for the kingdom of Jesus and the kingdom, building the kingdom of God. And so you have to still pray like that God would settle in your heart. I love this area. I love these people and all of the brokenness. I love it. I love the God how you have, we have these chat gums everywhere. I don't know why you put chat gums there, God, but I love it, right? And um, I love what you, this old, the, the quirks of our community, right? Like really, God, build that into my heart. But also, you got to look for the idolatry 
where are the idols? And then how do we press into those idols? So, um, yeah, you got anything on Loaf area you want to share? No? Okay, the last thing then is view of task and call. Pursuing a view of task and call. We're going to walk back through these. Um, but Ephesians 4 says this. Ephesians 4 talks about God gave us the APES model. Apostles, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, right? Prophets, amen. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. I love the book of Ephesians because it's like the one book that Paul doesn't hammer the church like, you idiots. <laughs> so it's a, good one to, <laughs> it's a good one to go to and be like, okay, well, let's learn from Ephesus, right? Um, and you got grace all over it. You got marriage and family all over it. But right in the middle, you got the church. And so he says he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to, uh, to do what? I thought I said to do all of the work for the people. No? No, it says to equip them to do the work. All right? To equip the saints for the work of ministry. Keeps going. For building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human coming, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When we, each part is working properly, when each part, right, is working properly, it makes the body continue to grow and to build itself up in love. And so um, what I would say is you need to pursue a healthy view of actually what your call is. It's to equip, to doctrinally strengthen. Did you see how the people are going to kind of move, be deceived, to doctrinally strengthen, and to build teams. When each person is doing what they're supposed to be doing in the body and on your teams, it grows in love. I love to preach. I could, if I wake up tomorrow, I can preach a sermon. That's my thing, right? But what God has called me to do, leading a, leading a church right now, is to equip the saints, doctrinally strengthen, and to build teams. And I think if you can view your call that way, it's going to really <laughs> free you in some areas, but also it's going to make things really work well for you. Do you want to share a second? I'll come back. I have so many thoughts I'm trying to reconcile right now. Um, so I just, I'm sorry, I'm like really visual, but I think the call is like the concrete that holds the fence post into place. And you can build it, your fence without it, and it'll stand and it'll look good for a while. And it's never more real how your call matters until you're in like a desperate place where like, you can't even tell which way's up or who's doing what or what, like, what is, like, are you my friend? I can't even figure it out right now. Or, I mean, like, all those things that we all have gone through. And, um, like Ben said, we've been so richly blessed. But there was just this time that I, we kept saying, is this, this is what we were called to do. God called us here. And it was like this really grounding thing for us like the concrete is for the fence post that I told Ben at one point I'm like no matter what happens 
Are we going to listen to what God has told us we know is true? Are we going to listen to everything swirling wild around us? And I remember saying to him in these like moments of like despair of like, what do we do? Well, I might, you know, whatever. You go through this rabbit trail of all the things that could go wrong. And I said, if something like that happens, let's do it for the right thing. God called us here in this place, and he told us what we were called to. And that's what we're going to stand in right now. And, like, again, God just, like, does all of these things that we're like, oh, my gosh, all we did was shut up and just stand. And, like, he did all this stuff. It's, a, it's incredible, and it's so faith-building. And I have, we have so many scars and wounds from some things that have happened along the way. I would never trade them because it made me see God in such a bigger way and trust him through all things through people moving or whatever you know it's like this mixed bag of like amazing stuff at the same time horrible stuff is happening you know you're grieving losses in your church of people young people who've died or whatever it is and yet there's like these mountaintops of people you've prayed for for years happening at the same time and all of that just makes me see how good God is yeah, so with this last little section on um, equipping, doctrinal strengthening, and building healthy teams, um, this is what we do. So if, you, if you're following with me, we grew up in, in a time frame that it was kind of like become the celebrity pastor, and there was like a push towards that, right? This is the opposite. You're laying down your life to equip the saints to do the work of ministry, not for people to listen to a podcast. You're, you're, you're doing doctrinal strengthening, so you're going to hit the areas that nobody wants to talk about, right? But they need strengthened in. Yeah, and then also, there's that third piece that where you're building teams so that they make the church grow, like, and, and you're kind of getting out of the way, right? And so whether you're a lead pastor with an elder team or a hospitality director or a children's ministry director or youth ministry director sitting in this room right now. So this is what we do now. This is what Becky and I do. So we go to our teams. We're doing team building. Okay, how's your soul, right? We go back to number one. Are you abiding in Jesus? How are you doing with your soul right now? Family, tell me about your family. What's going on with your kids? How can, how can Becky and I engage your family? Or you should be doing it if you're leading their kids ministry, if you're leading their youth ministry with your volunteers. How can we strengthen your family? Because these are two areas that are going to take them out, all right? And then we come back in over that with our eldership team and with different people. And um, we just want to um, look at the team aspects. Like, what are, what are your gifts? Where can you serve? Where, where are you bringing strength to our team? Where do I need to step back and let you do more, right? But really trying to build that team. Um, I'm always checking in on their love for our community and our area, our culture and values. Uh, but more than that, as they're leading different areas in our church, I'm like, hey, you need to have a healthy love for kids ministry, Natalie. But don't have enough overlove to where it's going to ruin every other ministry in the church, right? <laughs> and so it's like it can become your idol. There's other ministries too, right? And so we're, we're pressing into those things, loving our community. But, yeah, the loving youth ministry, but not overloving it to the point that it hooks other ministries in the church too. And then uh, finally we just come back to, are you doing this? This is what you're called to do on staff, uh, on our church. Equip people, doctrinally strengthen in your areas that needs that, and to build teams. Are you building teams, right? 
And so those are our lessons learned. This is what's been good for us and helpful for us over the last um, how many ever years of ministry we've been in it now, 16 at the bridge. And I hope that that can be something that's helpful for you guys. Um, but here's how we want to end this time. We want to end this time praying and, and ministering um, over one another. And so uh, would you guys stand for just a second? And so Becky kind of touched on it, and you guys know, know a lot of our story um, if you've been our friends for a while. Um, but we've had significant seasons where we came to um, things like this, and we just were not okay. <laughs> our, either we, our soul wasn't in a good spot or our team wasn't in a good spot, right? And so um, we needed prayer. And I want to encourage you guys that we were in California I think that, um, where's the guy from BC? He's in here somewhere. You were still on staff there at the church. And there he is in California. And like uh, Donnie's constantly like wanting to tell our stories. like, come and share your story. I'm like, it sucks right now. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Don't know what to share. Um, but they, they prayed over us. And people in that church gathered around us and prayed over us. And they prophesied over us. And I didn't quit, <laughs> you know. Um, but God really, like, more than that, he infused faith. He injected faith into us, right? But we had to be honest about it, right? And so um, in these moments, um, I'm trying to think of the best way to do it. Does any, just raise your hand, like if you're here, <laughs> okay? We're Baptists for the moment, all right? Uh, <laughs> Um, if you're at that point where you know you don't have health in one of these areas, whether it's your, your soul, and can we pray? We'd love to gather around you and pray and prophesy or, or any of the other areas if you want to. Does anybody in the room need prayer? Can we minister to one another? Yeah, come. Are you willing to come up here? Now, wait, stay back there. You stay in that corner. Does anybody else need prayer? Okay. You got something, Chad? Come on. Take it over. <laughs> this, is, this part is not my gift. Here's Chad. So, so listen, I, I'm sure that um, one part of Ben's message resonated with everyone. We all need to grow into health. We all need to respond to certain aspects and so um, you have people from different churches represented at your table um, and just yeah just be transparent say hey this is where I need to I need faith this is where I need prayer um, I was just stirred um, Becky you did so amazing Ben you did great too but Becky thank you no thank you for yeah but no, it, I mean, powerful the way that God's redeemed their story. Um, and today, I mean, just in faith that this is part of God redeeming all of our stories over the last 18 months, that God is going to make something beautiful out of what's broken. So just turn to those at your table, um, and we're just going to pray for each other. Say, hey, I would, I'd like prayer uh, for a love for our area, or a healthy soul, or hey, my kids are struggling. And um, I had a particular burden while he was speaking, I think. Um, for kids that are wayward, um, I just had a picture during worship of the Father's arms being open wide. 
Um, and I think there, there may be some wrestling, like, does God really care about where my kid is? And I think there's just this idea where we can, in faith, pray for each other in our families, um, that there's grace here that we may see breakthrough. So let's just go ahead and turn to those that are at our tables, um, say, hey, I would like to have prayer in this area, uh, and we'll spend the next several moments doing that. And you can stay standing, you can sit, you can lay hands, spread out.
All right, you guys, it's um, 11 o'clock now. 11 o'clock, and so we're saying 11.20, uh, we're meeting back in here. So you have 23 minutes. There's a whole bunch of food, coffee, 23 minutes, we're meeting back in here for our next session.